You just gotta keep it happy and keep the vibe going. Damn, that's the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, did the mic change it? <laughs> okay. All right, hold on. I'm gonna edit that out. We're gonna we go start. I'm just gonna count, I'm just gonna count us in. It's already recording. I'm just gonna count us in and then I'm gonna edit that out. Okay. We're gonna do a regular intro. All right, here we go. Three, two. Welcome in, welcome in to the Deep Cover Podcast. Take two. That's a little behind the scenes information right there. <laughs> As we start the podcast, uh, coming off of a NFL week two, unfortunately, the good guys weren't able to get it done at home against the Dolphins. Is the Dolphins crazy comeback? We're going to get into all of that. Everybody's heard about it by now, but we'll share our perspective, give our thoughts, and maybe, you know, touch a little bit on the Patriots game coming up too. But before we get into any of that, touch base with the guys, see how everybody's doing. We'll start with you, Chris. How you doing, man? I'm doing as good as you could be after that game. Um, it's I'm, I'm moving on. I'm on to the Patriots now. Uh, I have my my morning my time of morning, and uh, I'm ready to move on. Let's go to the Patriots game. There you go. It's very business like of you, <laughs> Harry. How you doing, man? <laughs> I'm good, man. I just want to take full responsibility for my actions last week. Uh, you know, I, I crowned Mike McDonald as a head coaching candidate in 2023. And I talked up um, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. And, you know, those three gentlemen were pretty influential in the um, ending of this game. So, you know, I just want to put that out there early that, you know, I apologize for my actions and I'm, I'm trying to do better going forward. Hey, you talked about everybody who had a critical role in this game. <laughs> so you were not wrong <laughs> in identifying the key players. And as far as the head coach call, hey, all I say, two words, Cliff Kingsbury. So if it can happen for Cliff, it can happen for Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I still believe. I still believe. That's right. Believe. It could it could easily happen for Mike McDonald. Cliff came in in this joint with a losing record in college, and he still got a head coaching job. So, and now there's debate whether he's calling plays or Kyle is calling plays. <laughs> Nobody really knows what's going on over there. So, hey, keep hope alive for Mike. Uh, you know he's got he's got 15 <laughs> more games uh, to to show. What he what he's really about, um, but let's let's get into it right there. Um, you know, we we talked last week about adding you know a new segment here or there for the show, and you know we kind of had the vibe check segment, and uh, I I don't know of a better place to start uh, than trying to figure out what kind of vibe we feel coming out of this game. So. You know what we gonna do? We gonna get right into it right now with uh, vibe check. We just gotta keep it happy and keep the vibe going. Cause this is vibe and stuff, and we out. Bring a nigga the vibes. You gotta go. You gotta go. You gotta go. If you bring a negative vibes, Chris, you gotta go. You gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> but do you have any positive vibes? What 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 kind of vibe did this game? 
leave you with? Uh, so, uh, I mean, obviously it was demoralizing, you know, to be up so big and, you know, halftime, you know, I'm already getting started on dinner. I'm like, damn, this is going to be a good night, you know, getting started on dinner up big. But when you go back and look at the film, you can see things to be excited about, like the two rookies, Pepe Williams. I thought he played well. Um, Jalen Almar Davis, I thought he played well, too. So. You know, those two guys, they're going to be counted upon. You know, this is the Ravens. I know a lot of people like clear history out of their heads. But for whatever reason, the Ravens have had a long history of cornerbacks just being injured. This goes back 10, 15 years ago. And uh, to see that we have these two young guys who could come in and play well against, you know, guys who are, if not at the top, you know, almost at the top of their level, you know, Tyree, Tyreek, he's one of the top wide receivers in the league. Jalen Waddle is one of the top young wide receivers in the league. Mike Gesicki is one of the best receiving tight ends in the league. And they went, you know, toe to toe with them. So I was very encouraged by that. Mike Gesicki, who hit the skedaddle. After that, <laughs> I saw somebody call it that on Twitter, and I was like, you know, you you right. You can't even put that in a gritty category. That's a skedaddle. That's exactly what he looked like after he scored that touchdown, which may or may not have been a touchdown. I know that there were some angles that showed the foot might not have been in, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, like you said, we're, we're moving forward. Uh, but, Kerry, what, what kind of vibe do you have, man, after that game? Man, my vibe was utter confusion because I was not watching this game. I really only caught the last two minutes of the game. I was traveling. Um, but I was watching games um, kind of before I got on the road um, and, you know, catching highlights. And, you know, they jump out to this huge lead. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, this one should be pretty much in the bag. And so I get in the car, I check my phone, and I'm like, what do you mean it's 35 to 28? And then I was able to pull it up on the, on the NFL app. They were doing like a free week um, uh, so you can watch the games through the app. So by the time I get everything pulled up on the app, it's like two minutes left and – you know, the game is tied, and I'm like, okay, what is going on here? <laughs> so, like, I just don't understand, like, how we got from, you know, Bateman ripping off that, you know, long touchdown, Duvernay with the kick return, all these things, till, um, you know, a tied game, and, you know, defense looks gassed, and nobody can stay in front of the, these uh, receivers. So, that was my vibe, was just, you know, complete confusion <laughs> like what is going on here <laughs> you know like you i was not home for the second half uh and uh you know chris you know he he, he said it earlier that you know i have to accept responsibility for my role in this collapse uh because i left at halftime i wasn't at the game i mean i was at home watching it on tv but you know it was a nice day went out uh with the wife went out to to a park and walking around and you know, we get to the park uh, and it's halftime. It's 28-7. And I'm like, oh, man, like Chris was saying, I was like, this 
this is in the bag right here, man. They got this thing wrapped up. So I said, we're going to go out, you know, enjoy ourselves, have a nice little walk, come back. I said, I'll catch the post game. You know, I'm thinking to myself, you know, hear about the win or whatever. So we, we get back to the car and turn it on and, you know, uh, go into the, the local Raven station here in Maryland. And I hear the final score, right? I just heard the score. Like, I didn't hear the teams. And I heard 42-38. I was like, damn, man, they made it closer. I, I thought it was going to be a blowout. But, hey, they still got the win. And then they came back from commercial. <laughs> and, they talked to me, and I was like, what? hold on. It was like that uh, that that Jermaine O'Neal thing from uh, Miles and the Pals. Like, what, what you mean? <laughs> what you mean? Dolphins one forty two thirty eight. I was Man, in if, disbelief. If, if that's how I found out, I would have clutched my chest and fell through a table. If that's how I found out they lost, <laughs> that's how I found out. I was in the car. We were both in the car, and she's listening too. And she was like, forty two thirty. Weren't they winning by a lot at halftime? I said, yeah, it must have been some kind of crazy comeback. But I said, they still won, though. That's what matters. And then they came back from that commercial, and I heard who actually won. And, yeah, I was uh, I was, I was, was disbelief. I guess that was my vibe. It was disbelief because I was like, this, this couldn't have happened. There's no way that this could have happened. And then, like I was telling you guys, I didn't watch it for, like, two days. Like, I was like, I'm just not going to watch it. I don't I – don't, I couldn't – I was in denial. You know, I had not gone through the proper stages of grief and I was in denial. And then finally I watched it and I was like, okay, I can, I can have closure now and I can move forward <laughs> now that I've seen what happened. And, you know, I feel like I had a, a, a decent idea on why certain things happened. There's one particular thing that I still have no clue how it happened or why it happened one particular play, but Everything else, I'm like, all right, I think I can kind of see what, what might have happened there. Um, and we talked about that, how that can – it can be misleading because obviously it's bad, right? You give up 28 points in a quarter, particularly the fourth quarter. Ain't no sugar coating that. That's bad. But when you look at some of the things that happen and you try to kind of formulate some thoughts on, on why you think it happened, you feel like it's stuff that can be correct. Like Chris was saying, it wasn't like a physical thing where somebody just got their ass kicked, right? Where it's like, hey, you could have done everything right, could have been the perfect call, your technique could have been perfect, but this person you're going against is just physically more dominant than you, right? Now, I guess you could you could say Tyreek and James were physically more dominant from a speed perspective, but it wasn't like guys were pressed up, right, playing tight man, and they just got ran by. Uh, these long plays were breakdowns. Yeah. By and large, you know, they were they were different kinds of coverage busts, um, stuff like that. You know, the Gasecki one, I mean, he throw the ball, you know, like you throw on a oop, you know, 12 feet up in the air. <laughs> you could tell Chuck Clark was like, he looked and he didn't even try to jump because he was like, that, that joint going to hit the crossbar. And, yeah. you know, Gasecki still went up and got it. And that was one of those drops. <laughs> I laughed because Denar got on me about it. He's like, what I tell you about that drop eight, that drop nine in coverage crap? He's like, that stuff don't work. <laughs> and, <laughs> and clearly, he was right. It didn't work because I think they dropped nine on that Gusecki touchdown. And then I think the last one, they dropped eight, I think, uh, the last one to Waddle. At least they had uh, Tyree triple team on that one. They, they they got that part straight. So he ain't, he ain't catching no more. Right? He got them two. <laughs> He's not going to win it right here. Um, but, you know, Waddle was able to make the play 
uh, even though Jalen Armour Davis was right there, like you said, Chris, but Waddle was able to make the play. So disbelief, but at the same time feeling like, hey, I, I think that there's some, some pretty clear reasons for what happened and things that they can correct, that they can teach off of and move forward. Um, but let's, let's, let's flip it, you know, put the, put the, put the positive hats on now. Um, offensively, you got to feel pretty good about what you saw for the most part in that game. Obviously, you know, we'll probably touch on the run game, the short yardage struggles and some of the stuff in the second half where they may be bogged down on some drives, but Chris, I'll start with you because, uh, we were talking before we started recording about Lamar and how you said, you know, you, obviously you, you thought it was pretty good watching the game live, but when you went and watched it back, it was even better than what you thought. <laughs> yeah, like watching it live, I'm like, damn, Lamar is, you know, he's on one today. But then when you watch it back, it's like it kind of gave me those Aaron Rodgers and his prime vibes where it's just like he's just making throws that it's like almost nobody else could – make it off of this platform, this arm angle with that kind of accuracy. And it was special to watch. This was probably one of my most favorite performances he's had because he showed a little bit of everything. You know, he showed it from a cerebral point. He showed it from an arm talent point, showed off his leg, showed off his pocket awareness too. And it was just like everything that all Lamar fans said about him leading up to the draft. And we spoke about this privately the three of us, the the form that Lamar is in now is what we saw from, from him coming out of Louisville. And it's like, it's happy. You know, it, it brings us joy to see him at this point because we believed in him. And like we always say, you know, progression isn't always linear. There are, you know, peaks and valleys to it. And the fact that he's in it right now in year five with the Ravens, it just – it's one of the, the best things to see. And um, and props to the offensive line, too, because the way they pass protected, I know they didn't get it done in the run game, but as far as pass protection is concerned, and we know that's a big part of Lamar's game. When he can trust the offensive line, we see him cook. When he doesn't trust the offensive line, which was what we saw in 2021, he's running for his life. He's, you know, not just standing there, you know, looking at his progressions now he trusts them and they're pass blocking like you know at a, at a really really high level right now so uh props to them for, for doing that but boo to them for run blocking <laughs> ooh, <laughs> ooh. you know i'm still charting the run game this is my fifth year doing it and so i, I I'm, I'm really looking at it i'm like Oof, this, is, this is rough uh <laughs> but we set that to the side for a minute carry uh your thoughts on how Lamar played the offense um, overall. Uh, I know you had to be excited to see Bateman continue to make these big plays. Um, how'd you feel about it? Yeah, watching it, um, you know, on the rewatch, um, I thought Lamar was brilliant in this game. You know, I, I, that's the word that came to mind, you know, the first word that came to mind, just watching them, you know, in total command, um, the accuracy, um, you know, even in his great games, you see a couple balls get away from him. And, you know, maybe the decision on the near pick by Xavier Howard was the only one that you can nitpick. But other than that, I thought he was on one the whole game. 
um, even like the um, he had a miss down the seam to Mar Andrews that would have been a touchdown. For him to even get that ball where he got it was impressive from the platform he threw it from because it was the one time it felt like because of how good the offensive line pass protect that he had somebody bearing down on him so he couldn't step into that throw. Um, And then I think there was another throw where he was rolling out to the left um, where it was a little bit off, but it was because of the, the angle he was throwing at. But other than that, it was just dime after dime after dime. Um, and, you know, you saw the trademark Lamar um, stuff as far as his, his pocket awareness, extending plays. We saw, obviously, the long run, uh, the trademark athleticism. Um, just a guy that had it all, man. He just he was just supremely dialed in. So that was good to see. Um, you know, uh, again, as Chris pointed out, the office line was uh, – was great in pass protection. You know, we're talking about a, a Dolphins defense that was like top three, I believe, in pressure rate last year. And, you know, they added Melvin Ingram to that mix, added Trey Flowers to that mix late. Um, yeah, Brian uh, Flores isn't there, but the rest of that defensive staff was there last year. So, you know, this isn't a, a, a front to gloss over. You keep these guys from, from sacking your quarterback. You've done something. So, um, you know, hats off to the offensive line, and especially when you, you figure your franchise left tackle isn't in there and you're still able to put that kind of game together from a pass protection standpoint. You know, I, I thought that was was very, very impressive and, and something they can, you know, hang their hat on going forward. We talked about it a little bit before we started recording too. Like this, this is becoming, if it's not already, this is this is his offense. This isn't Greg Roman's offense. This is his offense. In terms of you look at how much control he has at the line of script, and you know, I'm not gonna say that he's never had any because I don't think that's true. I think he's had the ability to get in and out of plays and make adjustments and make checks. But he's doing it more this year than I've seen in any previous year. Um, and, and maybe it just got magnified in this game. This, I actually did chart it in the Jets game, and I think it was only like six audible checks. I mean, sometimes there could be stuff going on that you can't hear because, you know, in the TV broadcast, the field mics, they don't pick up everything. But sometimes they pick it up and it's really clear. Like you don't just see uh, him signaling with his hands and making a check. You hear it. You can hear him saying no, no, yes, yes, where he's probably got two plays and, you know, he can have a live play and he can kill a play or – he could have uh, a run direction change, right? It could be the same play, but we're running it this way or running it that way. Who knows? They got pass protection checks. They got all kinds of stuff. But anyway, you can hear him making these checks, and you can see it even more in the Dolphins game. I need to go back and do those, but it was, it was way more than five or six in that game. So, I mean, he's just in command at the line of scrimmage, getting them into to different things. And I think that obviously it, it was pretty clear to me that that was part of their plan for dealing with those Miami pressure looks, right? Last year, Thursday night football, short turnaround, probably didn't have a lot of time to put a lot of that kind of stuff in. This year, you know, you've got the entire offseason and you've got a full week, full regular week of game prep going into this game. So you're able to put more of this stuff in and then you just give Lamar the tools, right? So that when he's there and he sees certain kind of looks, he's not locked in to a play where there aren't really any good answers, right? He can get into something else and make whatever adjustment he needs to. And that's that's 
that's what you want. You want this offense really on both sides of the ball. You want it to be the players, right? You want it to belong to them. You want them to have ownership of the offense, ownership of the defense. So you might have designed it. You know, there's a playbook. Obviously, there has to be a structure. But you want them to have a level of, of understanding and command that they can use all of those tools to get themselves into the best situations that they need on offense. You can be in an offensive defense, but he's definitely going on offense. And it's crazy to think about that. We're talking about it in such glowing terms, and it's because it's, it's warranted. You know, you see it out there on the field. And he's already had an MVP season. He might be playing better. I think he is. Yeah, certainly just in terms of the command standpoint. And then, like you said, making some of the throws, the off-platform stuff, the anticipation stuff. You made that point, Chris, about how he's throwing with more anticipation. I think that stuff has all definitely improved. And so, you know, for me with him, and I was I was a truther going back to Louisville, um, I just always kind of hoped that the offense would allow him to get to this point, that it wouldn't kind of put the governor on – you know, the engine that he is. I mean, he, he's, he's basically like an unlimited horsepower kind of engine. <laughs> and I always felt like, okay, you're trying to put this this engine that has so much power into a car frame that maybe can't support it, right? He starts revving it up, things start vibrating, parts start coming off. And it's like, all right, we got to <laughs> slow down or this car will fall apart. It can't, it can't handle all this horsepower. So I always just just hope that you know you could build a strong enough frame around it so that you could just take the take the governor off and just say, man, floor that thing and just go as fast as you can go. Uh, and, and you know we, we could be seeing that now. It's like seeing the Matrix. You know, it's that Neo thing. He's seeing it, and uh, you know that that's that is scary for the entire league. They've already seen the unanimous MVP season, and like we're saying, if he's playing at an even higher level now, just you know from some of these technical aspects. Uh, it can get even scarier. So two more things I wanted to touch on from this game um, before we, we uh, Tony Soprano, you know, we, we bury the ball. I said Tony Soprano. Tony uh, Soprano. <laughs> before, we bury the, before we bury the ball on this one. Because um, I think, you know, they warrant some discussion. And in case you guys have any other things, it might not be the last two. But, uh, we touched on the run game. So I think we got to talk about that a little bit. Because through two games, Aside from Lamar and uh, his runs, has been great. And so uh, I'll start with you this time, Carrie. Is it something you are concerned about? Like, I think this could be a lingering issue throughout the season, or is it more? Eh, I think this is something that's going to get corrected. There's a couple things I think could happen, and, and it could get turned around. Are you more on the? This could be here forever, kind of thing, or like mm, I think this is kind of just a phase they're going through. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, you know, you watch this line, and you know we were talking about it um, before we started recording. You know, these guys um, are, look really good in pass protection. You know, we just gave them credit for what they were able to get done, but you know. These I don't see these guys moving people in the running game, um, and you know that's a bit concerning. I don't see that physical tone setter on this offensive line actually constructed. But at the same time, this is a new group uh, 
that doesn't have the experience playing together like the 2019 group had. So I think, um, you know, there is a learning curve there that's um, kind of taking place. And, you know, thank goodness, you know, they are able to pass protect well enough to allow Lamar to, um, you know, kind of come full circle as he has as a player. Um, but I think there's still some some growing pains that they're going through and, 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 and trying to get worked out. And then, you know, when you look at the backfield, the guys they have back there now, uh, they have some good solid players there, but um, they don't have guys that are, are necessarily going to create yards on their own. Uh, they don't have guys that are going to necessarily push the pile like a Gus Edwards or, you know, create like a JK or, um, you know, really, really stress the edge of a defense like a JK can. So I think that's part of it too. Um, so, um, you know, this running game can get um, to a, a, a respectable and even higher than respectable level a couple different ways, and it probably will. You know, Stanley coming back is going to be one. The running backs coming back healthy is going to be another. And then just building a, a, a cohesiveness with the group and, uh, you know, cleaning up some things would be um, a, a third thing to add to that mix. But when you watch them block, um, I don't see instances where these guys are getting blown off the ball a lot. Um, so, you know, the running backs are, aren't, you know, running up the back of the lineman because they, uh, you know, they, they're getting blown up. It's just that, you know, these guys aren't imposing their will necessarily uh, in the running game. So uh, I take some solace in that, um, and, and I think they'll get it corrected. But, you know, like I said, I'm still kind of cautiously, cautiously optimistic at this point. Okay. I'll come to you, Chris. Are you in DEFCON panic mode, or are you more like, mm, I think this is something that can get better over time? No, I, I think Kerry summed it up per perfectly. Um you know, cautiously optimistic is the, the perfect way to put it because, like he said, you don't see dudes getting ass whooped across the line. You'll see some guys miss time, some hits, and duck their head down and not look at who they're supposed to be blocking, and they end up on the floor not blocking anybody. But you're not seeing guys just getting beat like drums over and over again. So that's something that's encouraging. So, and when you look at the line, this group has not had time together. And if you speak to any offensive line gurus, they will tell you cohesion on the offensive line is very, very important. Guys have to know about timing. They have to know about positioning. And it's so, so important. And this group has not had that. Uh, how long have they been working together, really? All of them, this whole line. Makari barely played left tackle because he barely did it in the preseason. This is his first time doing it in the regular season. Ben Powers played some left guard last year, but in the preseason he didn't play any, so he's only been doing it in practice. Linderbaum missed some time, and he's a rookie. Zeitler didn't play in the preseason. Moses didn't play in the preseason. And Zeitler and Moses have never played on the same offensive line together. So all of these are contributing factors to some of the missed timing issues that we see some of the spacing issues that we'll see. So I think it, as time goes along and these guys learn to play next to one another, 
I, I think it'll get better. I agree with all of those points. You guys pretty much nailed it. Um, I'll just throw in the tight ends, too, because you've got guys in Mark Andrews, Josh Oliver, and Isaiah Likely. Again, the cohesion and kind of the timing issues apply there, too, Likely being a rookie, so he's got that learning curve. Oliver and Andrews have been in this offense, obviously Andrews for a lot longer, but Oliver was here last year, but he's playing a more prominent role than he's played um, for most of the time that he's been here. And I think they're asking both of those guys, him and Andrews, probably likely too, uh, to do some things that they haven't had to do as much. I mean, they're lining those guys up in line, attached to the offensive line and having them block like defensive ends. And that's not really been a strength for Mark Andrews for sure. And Josh Oliver, I think he's kind of had to learn how to how to execute those kind of blocks when he got here because he he kind of wasn't that guy either he's a little bit more of a move athletic type guy and we know isaiah likely although very willing blocker at coastal carolina and 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 did some work on some dudes it was you know more linebacker and db body types or even if it was a dn you know college dn some of those dudes are like 230 <laughs> 220 he's a different body type than emmanuel agba or Zach Siler, <laughs> you're dealing with a whole different cat uh, when you're blocking these guys on the edge in the NFL. So I think that's that's an adjustment uh, for those guys having to do some things that, um, you know, maybe haven't been strengths for them. And then, that, like I said, again, that part of not working together, too, because you've got those guys in a, in a great Roman offense where you'll have two tight ends on the field lined up together. And they're working combo blocks like two offensive line. And so they, they've got to learn each other and, okay, are we, are, is our footwork right? Are we getting hip to hip? Who's, you know, we've got to work up to a linebacker who's staying on, who's coming off. When do I come off so that I don't leave my, my buddy hang, you know, hung out to dry. All of that stuff takes time and you only get that through reps. You know, you just got to have time on task and they haven't had a lot of that. So uh, as usual, uh, Carrie captures the, the, the wording perfectly, cautiously optimistic, uh, I'm right there with, with the rest of you guys, but I think what gives me some level of confidence, uh, despite the anti-Giro crowd that, that's always going to be out there, is that the man has always had good running games everywhere that he's been. And I know people will point to the quarterbacks and say, well, he's had Tyrod, he's had Kaepernick, now he has Lamar, and you know, that's what really makes the running game good. Well, hell, it's not going to hurt damn sure it's going to make it better when you got quarterbacks who can run the ball and you'd be a fool if you've got those kinds of guys not to feature them in the run game uh it'd be like malpractice i think he said once not to feature those guys but uh i think he has got enough experience in developing run games and having to kind of fix run games throughout the course of the season that you know he'll he'll get it figured out and then you guys both touched on the injuries too Obviously, all the scheme in the world don't mean nothing if you don't have players. So you can get a healthy Ronnie back, if you can get a healthy JK back, and then you know hopefully a little bit later a healthy Gus. Um, Gus, man, I think we talk about JK a lot. We talk about Ronnie, but Gus, man, sometimes I think he kind of gets the short shrift. But that dude, really, really important to what their run game oh, has yeah. been. Yeah, going back to 2018, think about when he had to be the guy when he was the primary running back. When, they, when Lamar kind of took over and he became like the dude and people are like, well, you know, it's just because they're running all this option stuff and he's basically like a like a college dive back. Uh, nah, man, Gus has vision. Gus can cut. You know, Gus has speed. He has burst. 
He's in good too. And he got hands. He get down the field, catch the ball, catch some long ones. He ain't just catching little swing passes out the backfield. Um, Gus is an all-around running back, and he's a guy. When you look at some of the short yardage struggles that they had yesterday, you know he he can get you those yards. You know what I mean? Not just because he's two hundred and forty pounds or two hundred thirty pounds, but because he has that kind of vision and that kind of ability to cut and get skinny through holes and find you know find gaps. Um, he's just good at. It. There's no other way to say it. He's just good at it. And no no slight to Mike Davis or, or Kenyon Drake, but, you know, Kenyon Drake has not been here all that long. Mike Davis was here through the offseason. But uh, for me, Mike Davis is not Gus Edwards. That's just my opinion. So, um, you know, hopefully, you know, they can get that element back um, in their game when, when they can get all those guys back healthy. And, and then I think we'll really see something <laughs> you can't get all of those guys and, and he's a tone setting he is. you know he, he he's a tone setting player um you know i i just think back to i've seen multiple times on film where he gets to the second level and you see a safety instead of coming up and trying to get an angle you see a safety just stop and kind of just wait for him to come to him. Like almost like they just freeze in their tracks because they know this dude is coming with valid intentions. <laughs> and they're just like, okay, I'm going to stop and just see if I can hold on to him. But if I try to take an angle and run into, run into this dude, you know, he's going to put me on a mixtape. So <laughs> he, he's the, he's a tone setter. And again, I like, I just think back to, uh, what I just talked about with the offensive line, um, you know, maybe it gets there at some point, but right now I don't see any tone setters in the run game in that offensive line. So, you know, you got to find those guys somewhere and and he can be that guy. Yeah. He, he forces those business decisions by those DBs. You know what I'm saying? You don't, you don't want no part of that. Uh, when you see 230, 240 pounds coming downhill at you, like you said, they're stopping their feet and almost just trying to catch this dude. And, uh, you know, that doesn't even work out well at times. <laughs> so uh, he definitely is the tone set. You know, I think that's the thing of what made him and JK, I think, such a good compliments because they both are tone setters in their own way. Like Gus is right. going to be more of a physical tone setter. JK, not that he can't run with physicality because he can, but he's more of that burst. That Well, because look, we saw it. I mean, what, what was it, that, that Browns game? Who's their safety on the goal line where he trucked <laughs> on, the, on the goal line? But you you can you just hear it in JK when he talks in interviews. He definitely is a tone set. He's he is a he's a mindset uh out there when he's out on the field that uh you're not better than him. He believes he's better than you, he believes in himself, and he's gonna go out there and make a whole bunch of plays. And what do you have? Nine touchdowns as a rookie, something like that. So you you're missing a lot. You're missing a lot right now, uh, just in terms of the players, you know. So, like I said, scheme is, is important. All that stuff, you know, matters. But it all starts and ends, uh, to quote Wink, begins and ends with the players. <laughs> it's, it's, it's never uh, – truer words never been said. Um, I think the last thing I wanted to touch on from that game, jumping back to the defensive side now, is just – we talked about some of the players and some of the, the coverage busts and stuff like that, but I wanted to talk a little bit more about Mike McDonald. So I'll start with you on this, Kerry. Um, what do you think he learns 
from this game. Because as much as we can talk about the players and, oh, miscommunication, all that, to me, that's an indication of maybe you had too much in this plan, right? If, if the communication is that confusing, the guys are struggling with it and having a hard time making calls and then understanding what the assignments within those calls are, maybe there was a little too much on the plate. Uh, maybe you're trying to do a little too much. What, what do you think he learns from this game? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think he learns a lot. Uh, first, I want to say, um, I don't know if you guys saw Rex Ryan's um, thoughts on, on Mike Rex McDonald. Was Rex was mad. And <laughs> when somebody um, um, describes somebody as a hot shot, you can tell there's some hate in coming right behind <laughs> that. They say hot shot. Best believe there's some heat in the follow. So, hey, Rex got to cut it out with that. But um, <laughs> in his second game, I think he can learn a lot. Um, you know, the listeners of this show are obviously very familiar with the fire zone. Please check that out. Their breakdown, you know, it's thorough. But um, when I think about this offense that he was going up against, Mike uh, McDaniel is a guy that is going to continuously – stretch things horizontally more so than most offenses. And, you know, when you have those two Ferraris on, on the outside and Tyree and Waddle, you know, it just makes you more emboldened to do that. And so he kept stressing it, kept stressing it uh, horizontally. And, you know, Denard made a good point in those situations. You just have to kind of be more simple in your approach and so I, I think he kind of overthought some things at times and didn't let it kind of come to him. Um, so I think he'll learn from that, especially because I felt like he let the game come to him in week one yeah. in a Jets game. And so, you know, maybe, like you said, he put a little bit more into it uh, this week than probably it should have been. And and I, I think he'll learn from that. I think he'll simplify some things. Um, but, you know, Take your hat off to um, to Mike McDaniel. Um, you know, again, like I said, his his scheme stressing things um, horizontally. Some of the things he did with motion to create conflict. You saw with um, you know, I saw Malik um, Harrison get caught up a couple times with you know some of the motion and um, just in general, man. Sometimes you just got to tip your hat to the coach on the other side. You know, so much play action, so much motion, um, you know, just keeping this team off balance. Um, you know, the the amount of play action they, they ran, again, as Denard pointed out, you know, affects the pass rush. You know, you can't get into a rhythm when, when there's so much play action there that you have to account for. So, um, you know, I, I think it's, it, it was a game where, you know, obviously giving up 28 points in the fourth quarter is never a good thing, but um, – I think he'll learn from this and I think you'll see, um, you know, a, a better um, kind of coaching um, uh, decisions made, I'm sorry, um, going forward based off of that, just, you know, keeping it more simple, um, you know, learning from um, these mistakes, because again, this is his second game as a, as a pro defensive coordinator, you know, have to factor that in, you know, I know, Rex wanted to, you know, just throw him over the, <laughs> throw him over the boat, you know, after his second game. But I mean, you know, he had one great game and he had one game that he had some plays that he, you know, probably want back. So, 
you know, just give him a, a bit of a chance to settle in. But I think all in all, he's shown a lot of good things um, as a as a DC, um, you know, in these first couple weeks. Yeah, Rex, get that hate out your heart, man. Get that yeah. hate out your heart, man. I know your brother was here last. You know, I know your brother was here, and you know that didn't go right. So you know, maybe that's leaving a sour taste. But you know, come on, man. Yeah. Well, and you know they all they got all those ties. His brother was here. Wink's got ties with the family, and Wink is gone. So you know, he just sounds like an angry, bitter old dude talking about the young hotshot coordinator doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, come on, man. The guy had a bad game, obviously. Um, But you know, like you said, are we are we we ready to 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 fire him or cast him out just because (laughs) because of that one game? Now, look, before I go to Chris. I got to go to the Mike McDaniel point that you made because you know, I'm a, y'all know I'm a Mike McDaniel fanboy. I was tweeting y'all stuff over the offseason. <laughs> Big Mike McDaniel fanboy. Because I, I used to listen to, I don't think they have it anymore, but Andrew Hawkins and Joe Thomas used to have a podcast. Uh, and it's, it's been in a couple different forms, but like the early version before those guys got on TV, it was just them doing the podcast. And they they would talk about Kyle Shanahan like all the time when he was their OC. Uh, for the Browns for that one year. But he also talked about how Mike McDaniel was his wide receiver coach. So I heard him. So this is now two guys. I've heard Andrew Hoggins talk about it. I heard Pierre Garçon talk about it because he McDaniel was his wide receiver coach in Washington. And both of those guys said, this guy is a football genius. He's an absolute offensive football genius. And they're like, we're looking at this guy. Yeah, he played college ball at Yale. He played wide receiver. But you look at him and you're like, come on, what's, what's he going to tell me about playing wide receiver? And he, he told both of those guys, like, if you just trust me, you're going to have the best years of your career. And both those years that he was their wide receiver coach, both guys did. And Andrew Hawkins was on the Rich Eisen show recently. And he was talking about it. He was saying, look, because Rich kept saying, well, give me some examples. Give me some examples. And he was like, he just breaks the game down in a way that's different than most guys who've been like, long time old school football coach type guys. He said he's got that Yale background. So he looks at it almost like a scientist. And so he's going to deconstruct some things and have you do some things out there that seem odd or seem off, but he has you so prepared. And he told Andrew uh, Hawkins one year, he was like, look, you're going to face these kind of coverages. Like he go into each kind of game, each game with each corner. Here's what this guy likes to do. Here's what you're going to face. There's two or three releases you can use in this game. And I'm going to tell you when to use each one. And he's like, if you do this for the first two or three games of the season, you will not face press coverage the rest of the season. I promise you. And he said, sure enough. He's like, I went out, I did those things. And he's like, it kind of didn't make sense to me at the time, but I'm doing them in the games. And he said, I just, you know, corners start backing off. Right. Because he said that was the year Josh Gordon got suspended when he was in Cleveland. And they asked him to play X. They had brought him in there to be the slot receiver. Y'all remember Andrew Hawkins, he was a little short dude. And Gordon gets hurt, and Mike McDaniel said, we're going to play you at X. And he's like, uh, all right, that's not really what I got brought in here to do, but whatever. <laughs> and he's saying, you know, I'm going to get out here. I'm going to be on the ball. Guys going to be jamming me up. And he's like, look, we're going to go through these first two games. Here's what we're going to do. These guys will not press you the rest of the season. And he said, sure enough, that's what happened. He went on to have the best statistical season of his career. Obviously, they didn't win a ton of games, but he put up numbers. Uh, so, you know, hats off to that guy. And then also when I watched his his offense uh, leading up to this game, just the first week, to me, he just had like such a clear plan of what he wanted that team to be, right? Waddle was already there, and he's talked about how much he loves speed on offense. Uh, went out and got Tyreek, 
went out and got Teron Armstead, went out and got Alec Ingold to be his Kyle Juszczyk. He knew exactly what he wanted to run the offense the way he wanted to run it. And, you know, he may not have all of the pieces that he wants, but I think he's he's got kind of the really foundational pieces. And you saw what they could do uh, on offense. Obviously, we you know, the Ravens game, we know about some of the busts and mistakes. But even if you go watch that Patriots game and what they were able to do um, in that game. So, all right, I get off I get off the fanboy stoop now. And I, I'll come <laughs> to you, Chris, on the, on the Mike McDonald. Let's go back to the Ravens, Mike McDonald. What do you think he learns from this loss uh, and how he uses it, you know, going forward? Well, first of all, props to both of you guys for not mixing up Mike McDaniel and Mike McDonald. That's very impressive. <laughs> We're professionals. As, as, professional. as much as you guys mentioned those, I would have definitely butchered it a few times. So, um, But it, I was encouraged with it as far as, like, that I'm glad that it happened in week two and not in a, a game, you know, deciding to go to the playoffs or a game in the playoffs. You learn the most from your mistakes. And if he just has success and it's an easy season, all the games are like the Jets game, Jets games, then when adversity strikes, he's going to panic. And I think we saw him panic in week two. And he didn't really know what to do. And this is your first major test. You know, this, a big spot, you're, down, uh, you're up big, and then you see that lead just slowly disappear. And I think we just saw him get desperate. And he was like, look, I, I don't know what to do. I'm going to do this. Like, like, you know, when you're playing Madden, and you're like, damn it, I can't get to this damn quarterback. I'm just going to blitz. And then you end up giving up a big touchdown. And it's, it's almost the same kind of mindset with that, where the front wasn't getting any pressure. So he had to do something. He had to mix it up in some way. And then you see him go the, the opposite end of the spectrum, where – he decides not to even send four sometimes. Sometimes he's sending three. Sometimes he's sending two. So when you see those two extremes, you see somebody that's having a mental battle in their head. Like, they don't really know what to do. And I think, well, the hope is the next time he's in that situation, he'll be more composed. And he'll, like Kerry said, he'll let the game come to him. He won't be so desperate. He won't be that guy just you know, flailing, trying to catch lightning in a bottle, but when he sends a, a blitz because he's frustrated because he can't get any pressure. I, I hope that'll be the process going through this, and, and he'll learn from it. And and I think the players will learn from it too. I mean, you know, a lot of young guys in that secondary. Um, so I, I think I'm, I'm glad that it happened in a week two. I'm, I'm, I'm not happy with the result, but I'm glad that it happened week two than, you know, an important game down the road. Yeah, looking back on it, when I watched it, I was just thinking, and obviously it's easy to do this in hindsight, but I'm thinking like, all right, you're up 21 to start the fourth quarter. Uh, you could basically play some preseason coverages and say, <laughs> I dare you to go 80 yards on me four drives in a row, not just three, right, because three were tied. You need that four drive to kick a field goal or, or get a touchdown. They ended up getting a touchdown. But I dare you to go 80 yards, four drives, five, six, seven, eight yards a pop, right? I'm just going to keep everything in front of me. We're just going to sit back here and like the quarters, recover three, you know, whatever your core stuff is that you feel like guys are comfortable playing. And you want to throw little five-yard hitches 
that's fine. We'll come up, we'll tackle it. If you can do that all the way down the field, one, it takes time, right? If you can do that for four drives and four quarters, because we're going to get the ball on offense too. So, like, if you can do that, hey, cool. And you and you win. If you can do that and you win, right? Let's say you got to have eight, nine, ten play drives, and you got to do that four times and score touchdowns on all four of those. And we get the ball on offense too. If you can do all of that and win the game, tip the cap. You 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 deserve. It. But I can't let you have sixty yarders, fifty yarders. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't let you have those. I can't let you have those. So I'm I'd be content to give you. I mean, I don't want to get ten, but I'll take ten over fifty or sixty. But basically, I'm content to have you nickel and dime your way down the field, right? And we just come up and make tackles. Now, that's easier said than done. I said that with Denard. He's like, yeah, but you got to tackle those guys. Uh, you, you take a mad angle on one of those guys, and they can, they can hurt you that way too. But he he understood and, and, and really kind of agreed. Just like, hey, let's just keep that simple. Keep everything in front of us. Don't have the ball going over our heads. And if they can go a long, hard way and beat us, you know, four, four drives, then they earned it. But let's not give them the cheap stuff. Nothing deep, nothing cheap. And, yep. um, you know, I think he'll he'll definitely learn if he's ever in that situation again with a lead. Like, yeah, I still want to be aggressive to some extent, but it's got to be a, a cautious aggression. <laughs> it can't be like balls to the wall aggression because uh, that that can backfire. Um, all right, so I think we can we can bury that one, <laughs> burn the tape. We'll watch that fourth quarter. Bury the wall. We'll only yeah, we'll only watch the first half of that. Rejoice in what it's like. Like that meme, like that meme where the guys, where the two guys are on the bus, and one is looking out, and it's all shiny and nice, and he's smiling. That's the first half, and then the second half is the one that's all scared and on the dark side. (laughs) We don't want to. We don't want to be on that. We we want to pretend that the game, like a game, got called for weather or something that has a mercy rule. Yeah, and we were good. All right, but moving forward, um, they get a, a, a familiar foe uh, coming up here for week three, Patriots. Obviously, they've seen the Patriots a bunch over the years. Saw Brady for all those years. Obviously, he's been gone for, for a couple of years now, so they, this, what, this will be their second time seeing Mac Jones? Is it the second time? Was so. he there when they played the Monsoon mm-hmm. game? He was there for the Monsoon game, right? No, that was Cam. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's right. That was Cam. So this would be their first time. Yeah, yeah. Seeing Mac Ten. Okay. So, but I mean, you you know the Belichick uh, coach teams, right? We obviously they they like I said they have a familiarity. They know him. He knows them. Obviously, he loves Lamar. Every time this dude talks about Lamar, he absolutely loves talking about Lamar. I think he would do anything to get Lamar on his team, including giving him a fully guaranteed deal. So, Bashadi, you need to be paying attention. You want to keep playing these games. I think Bill Belichick will absolutely give him a fully guaranteed deal if it ever got to that point because he loves that dude. Um, But as for the game, so I watched a little bit of the Steelers game against the Patriots. I saw their first game against Miami. They, they had some turnover issues early in that game, and then they kind of fought their way back. But, you know, Miami was able to kind of close it out there at the end. Um, had a, had a, a little turnover issue against the Steelers, too. Uh, Mac, Mac will put some balls in jeopardy 
you know, Minka got one, but Minka's kind of been on one right now. So that maybe that's more about Minka uh, than Mac. But that 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 ball wasn't a great decision, in my opinion. Um, but I'll start with you, Chris. What do you think about this game? Because this is very different, right? You don't have the same kind of speed threats on offense that Miami had. Um, and defensively, in some ways, there might be some similarities because a lot of what Miami does with those zero pressure looks, those fake zeros that Kerry talked about, that really started there, right? When Flores coming and Josh Boyer coming from the Patriots and, and bringing that to Miami. So they do some of that too. Um, what, what do you expect uh, in this matchup? Uh, so I honestly, I'm gonna ex- just like the the Jets game. I'm going into it supremely confident, supremely. Uh, because I I think this this defense is gonna rebound. Uh, they should be healthier. They should have Brandon Stevens back. Um, Marlowe will still see how the growing is, but uh, they got Pepe back at practice too. Uh, Let's see how Marcus Peters rebounds from the, you know, his second game. Because, you know, the first game, you always got those jitters back. You've been gone a whole year. So let's see how he responds in, in uh, his second game back. But I think this this defense is really going to take it personal. And uh, they're going to take it out on on the Patriots. Uh, Mac Jones, he's not a he's not a guy who really puts fear in a defense heart, defense's heart. You know, he, he's not that guy that will be able to – I mean, I, I I guess people said that about Tua, too, and look what happened. But um, <laughs> but Tua did throw two picks, and he should have thrown three. Yeah. So um, Mac Jones is that guy who definitely just, you know, lobbed that ball up there and prayed for the best, uh, thinking he still has those Alabama receivers. And uh, like you said, with on the outside, uh, I don't know, Kerry, you might be able to answer this from a fantasy perspective. Because I know Damian Harris got hurt, and I think Jacoby Myers got hurt too. So I don't know if those two guys will be be playing or if they'll be 100% for that game. So, you know, those are two guys that they really depend on. Um, and Damian Harris and Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers is probably their wide receiver one right now. Uh, so uh, it's going to be tough if those two guys are out or if they're limited in any way. So. I'm definitely expecting the Ravens to bounce back and, and take care of business against the Pats. So I'll go to you, Kerry, on that. I, I saw a report today about um, Jacoby Myers. I, I'll defer to you on Harris. I haven't seen or heard anything. Myers, I think they looked at his knee. I don't think they said they, they, they didn't see anything structurally wrong with it. So I think it's just going to be like monitoring him this week and seeing if he's able to get a limited practice in or or see how that, you know, kind of how that goes. But yeah, that wide receiver core is it's it's different, right? It's different than those Ferraris. I don't want to I don't want to be disrespectful to those to, to these guys, but if Tyreek and Waddle were Ferraris, Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, <laughs> uh Jacoby Myers, Dante <laughs> Parker, uh, you know, good players. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna say I'm not gonna be disrespectful. Good players. They're, mo- they're mopeds. <laughs> <laughs> So, Gary, what do you you think uh, about uh, this matchup and and if you've heard anything um, about some of those injuries on offense? Yeah, I think uh, Jacoby Myers uh, uh, is something they're going to monitor through the week, you know, from what I understand. Damian Harris is saying all the right things, you know. I think he's probably going to play, at least from all the optimism that's coming 
um, from him and, and, and from the people that cover the team um, as far as he goes. But, uh, you know, it'll be something to watch Thursday and Friday to kind of see how things play out um, from a practice standpoint. And then just a big picture standpoint on the team, um, you know, I talked last week about just how much play action Miami used. Well, New England is going to be on the other end of the spectrum. They've used play action um, the least um, out of any team in the league through two weeks. Um, That's per uh, Chad Graff with the Athletics. So, you know, we're getting, uh, you know, the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, It'll be interesting to see how they kind of go about things uh, and try to attack it. They went too tight and heavy um, the first week. Second week, they went more. Um, three wide with uh, Kendrick Bourne getting more slot um, snaps. Um, but, you know, just as an offense as a whole, it's just a team that, you know, they, they, they lack that juice. They lack that that, that table setter uh, for their offense. And so, you know, I think the Ravens can have their heavy fronts um, against this defense and, and, and try to take the running game out of it. And if they can do that, I, I, I'm like Chris, I feel – supremely confident in, in their ability to bounce back on defense. And then if you look at it from the Ravens' offensive standpoint, it'll be interesting to see how they attack because um, – well, to see how um, New England's defense kind of attacks because, um, like you said, their uh, – that origin of, uh, of that fake um, cover zero um, blitz looks – you know that's that's some New England um, stuff, and and um, going back and looking at how they played Lamar the last time they played him, I, I don't think they could do that this time. Um, you know, one of the things that we didn't talk about as much with last week with this game is um, that game last year, the Dolphins defense they gave the Ravens fits. I mean, it's a short week, so you know you have to factor that in, but that defense gave the Ravens trouble and Lamar just went in and just demolished it (laughs) on Sunday. Like it, you know, wasn't any question at all going in, you know, his comfort level with what they were doing. So, you know, Belichick being a smart guy, I don't, I don't think he's going to come out and and approach it the same way. So, um, you know, he's a guy, you know, obviously with his success, you can never count them out defensively. Um, but, you know, they're not dealing with the same level of talent um, on that end or, you know, guys that they can match up in, in certain ways. So I, I'm confident. I, I feel confident that the, the Ravens will come out and bounce back defensively, play well on offense. And, uh, you know, I feel like as long as they don't get sloppy, you know, turnover-wise, I, I feel like they'll win this game handily. You know, speaking of their defense, um, obviously the secondary is a little bit different. J.C. Jackson no longer there. Chris will get to see his boy, Jack Jones. Uh, yes, <laughs> he, he, he's got some run uh, this year so far. He played 22 snaps last week. Um, I have to go back and look at the Dolphins game and how much he played. But, um, you know, like I said, J.C. Jackson is out of there. You got Jalen Mills in his place. Um, some guys are still there who, who you know, we might have seen back in that 2020 game. Adrian Phillips, um, Devin McCourty, who's, who's been, you know, there forever, 12 years. He's been around a long, long time. Uh, but it's, it's a little bit different. 
in that secondary. And then up front, you know, it's an interesting defensive line. You know, Christian Barmore, you know, good good looking young player. You know, we we kind of are familiar with him from from the draft and out of Alabama. Uh, Dietrich Weiss is a good player. Obviously, we know Matt Judon from his time here. Um, you know, Josh Uche, you know, he's got some juice. Uh, so it's, it's you know, and, and, and you know the guy that stood out for me in that monsoon game, I remember this now, back in 2020, the Sunday night game, Kyle Duggar. That dude, he's 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 a freaky, one of those hybrid linebacker, safety kind of dudes. They use him all over to do a bunch of different things. Um, so, you know, with Belichick, the one thing that you you can expect is that he's going he's gonna to do some things defensively to try to take away what he thinks you do best. Um, you know, he's always done that. People say that. And then at the same time, people are also like, well, duh, isn't that what all defenses try to do? <laughs> and yeah, that seems be like surprised. All, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, it may seem like that's what all defenses should be trying to do. But for whatever reason, he seems to do it better than a lot of other teams are able to do it. So even if kind of the players may be different from year to year, he finds a way. And it's, it's like a very predictable pattern. They may start out earlier in the year a little little shaky on defense, but by the end of the year, they're usually pretty solid. Uh, they have a pretty clear identity, and they're pretty comfortable in, in who they are, what they want to do, how they want to play. So uh, we're catching them early, so maybe maybe they'll, they'll still be in the shaky phase a little bit. Uh, but I don't think so. I don't think that they've given up a ton of points to start the season. I know they only gave up 14. Uh to the Steelers, so I, I can't remember the score of that Dolphins game, but I don't, I don't think it was super high. Um, so they, they might be off to a pretty good start uh, defensively too. Let's see, what was that? Twenty to seven. You know what am I thinking? I'm looking at something else. Never mind. No, they, no, they gave up that big uh, fourth down play to uh, Jalen Waddle. Yeah, I was gonna say this. Disregard me. I'm, I'm 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 trying to multitask over here, and as usual, when you get older, that that doesn't work. Oh, it was twenty to seven. Okay, never mind. All right, so yeah, they gave up twenty uh, to the Dolphins. It might have been a their defensive touchdown. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, they're always going to be a challenge defensively because of who Bill Belichick is, and I'm still not totally sure what they got going on. Offensively, in terms of Matt Patricia and uh, Joe Judge, <laughs> so I, I don't really know what to expect. Uh, uh, you know, offensively, because I'm like, I, I really don't get what they're trying to accomplish here. But anyway, uh, that is what that is. We'll see. Hopefully, hopefully, it won't be figured out uh, in week three that, that it doesn't get figured out until sometime after week three. <laughs> But is there anything else that you guys want to hit on or talk about? I feel like we covered the Dolphins game, buried that ball, a little preview of the, the Patriots game. I will say one thing, and we talked about this, um, you know, before we start uh, recording, but um, Pepe Williams, uh, you know, Jalen Armour Davis, Kyle Hamilton, all three of those guys make plays on Sunday. Now, yeah, they they gave up some plays too, but I was very encouraged with with all of them because I, I felt like athletically, you see, they have it. Mike made a great point. These are guys that um, that showed they weren't scared of the moment. They're out there trying to make plays. 
Um, and, you know, especially Jalen Armour Davis, because we talked about it, you know, when we did the live stream of the preseason game, we didn't expect this guy to be on the field early in the season. Like, how, how could you expect him to be on the field early in the season? <laughs> he was going to play it all. <laughs> right. <laughs> in that so first game, I was shocked. The fact that he is playing as early as he is and actually going out there and, and making plays on the ball and, and, and looking comfortable and looking aggressive, um, I, I think that, that, that speaks value. So, you know, yes, we should be um, – you know, disappointed with the outcome of the game and the points they gave up and some of the blown coverages. But I think we should be very encouraged with all three of these guys that you know, in week two, that all of them uh, uh, kind of put their staple on the game in, in a good way. And so I, I think that's going to bear fruit later in the season. I think, you know, once we get into week 12, week 13, I think we're going to look back at this game and say, hey, man, this this these snaps were important for this defense, for those guys to, to get their feet wet. Yeah, I'll try to maybe – did I tweet it? I think I tweeted that video out. Maybe I'll try to retweet it if I can. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty I, sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you did. If I can get back into the, the deep cover account, I'll try to <laughs> lock myself out. I don't know if I can get back in there. Um but it was just five plays, so it's quick. So it's a short video, and I'm not doing any kind of now. I'm not narrating or anything like that. But it just shows that they had like three PBUs. Jalen Armour Davis had a PBU and, a, and blew up a, a a bubble screen. So, you know that that's I love to see it, man. We talked about that before with DBs and how you can be playing not to give up plays, or you can be playing to make plays. And 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 I love to see those guys playing to make plays. Both of those guys. Um, just having the, the confidence and belief in their ability that, hey, even though we don't have a whole lot of pro experience under our belt, uh, we're on the we're on the team and we're on the field because the Ravens believe in us. And so, you know, that, that belief goes a long way. Glad to see them get that confidence. Um, the ups and downs are part of it. You talked about it, Kerry. That's, that's just part of the, the learning curve as a rookie, uh, or really any young player, any player. I mean, you can take out all those qualifiers, even vets. It's week to week in the NFL, right? And you're you're gonna you're gonna have some some individual matchups where you play well, and you're gonna have some where the other guy gets the better of you. That's that's why it's it's you know the best league in the world uh, <laughs> because that's how good these guys are. So that's all a part of it, and it's just about who can kind of reach that level of consistency and, and try to sustain it, um, you know, the best, and then be able to, to rebound and recover from when you do make mistakes. You know, those, those are the guys who really excel in this thing. You're going to get beat sometimes. This is how it is. Watch how you come back. How you, how you come back is, is key in this thing. What about you, Chris? Any, any final thoughts, anything you wanted to touch on? No, man. Uh, just, you know, excited for the game. Excited to see this team rebound and, and see how they respond to, uh, you know, Everybody responds to adversity different. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this group responds and, and how they come back. Um, other than that, you know, I, I got my USC shirt on. I've been watching some Jordan Addison film. Jordan Addison, you're on the train. Get it, get it started early. Uh, Mike got me on the need, team need for speed. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I got started getting started uh, on the 2023 draft class. 
You and you and Hoodie Ramey, man, y'all on that Jordan Addison train. Oh, hoodie's on it. Oh, so then I'm oh. certified. I'm certified. Then once I know he's on it, he he's been on it a little bit. He he's had a couple of tweets about how he he has to be a Raven. I got a chance to watch a little bit of him um, from last year. I haven't watched any of him this year. I, I started looking at some of the wide receivers. I was looking at you know the senior guys. So I looked at him. I looked at Cedric Tillman at Tennessee. I'm trying to think. I looked at I looked at uh, Butte. Um, looked at a couple of guys. But Addison, that was my first time looking at him back in Pitt. And I was like, yeah, I mean, from, from a route running standpoint, there's there's no doubt. Uh he's 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 twitched up and uh he, he can route some he can route some people up. Uh and he he can he, he can make plays too, just you know, in terms of, of his ability to catch the ball. Um he's kind of got a little bit of everything. <laughs> he's not he's not the biggest dude, so so he doesn't necessarily have that. But um I could see I could see why. Uh, you know, people people would get kind of excited about watching him. I admit, I, I like some of the bigger guys, Tillman, and there's a guy at Wake Forest. I'm blanking on his name now, um, but they're bigger. I know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, they're. He's a big dude. That's all I know. He's a, he's a bigger body dude, and uh, I like both of those guys. I gotta I gotta look at at uh, At Perry. There you go, AT Perry. Yeah, I got I got to look at both of those guys, and I was like, man, that's that's what I I still think that that's something that could be useful uh, in this Ravens offense. I mean, obviously we we've seen what Bateman is capable of early. We've seen Devin Duvernay uh, continue to make plays, whether it's as a receiver, whether it's as a kick returner, just making plays all over the place. Um, you know, Andrews has kind of been that big body receiver for them. That's kind of been his role, right? He's he's been that guy in this offense. But uh, I think if you can get another guy who has that similar sort of physical profile, but is actual receiver. I mean, Andrews is pretty close to receiver, but I mean, <laughs> the guy who's actually a receiver, who you know you can line up on the outside and still has you know receiver type speed but also has that that big body physical profile. I still think that there's a role um, for that player in this offense. But, you know, it's it's also uh, – I don't have to tell either one of you guys. It's, it's, it's best player available. And, you know, if Jordan Addison is best player on your board when you're picking, then, then that's who you take. Um, yeah. But I'm excited to dig into that too. I, I tried to get into it a little early. I tried to get earlier this year because I know during the season I usually don't do it until like January get into any like college guys. So I tried to watch some guys in the summer. I know Dane and uh, a couple of the other draft guys, they, they try to do that every summer. They try to get an early start and watch a bunch of guys over the summer and then, you know, get them throughout the year, Jordan Reed, all those guys. So I tried to do a little bit of that. I don't think I got beyond wide receiver and edge. Oh, and offensive tackle. Cause I saw Skaronsky. I saw a kid in Maryland. I'm blanking on his name too. So I saw I saw a couple in the kid in Miami. I saw a couple of those guys. So I try to get an early start, um, but I'll, I'll definitely dive back in as uh, as we get later in the season. And I'll be following Chris. So definitely do that. Follow on Twitter, Chris at Just Joking, because he's been he's been tweeting out clips of the different guys that he's been watching and plays that catch his eye. So and um, you know. Kerry is, is is in the grind of fantasy season, but whenever he starts talking about college players, listen, because he's, he's going to be right uh, 99% of the time. <laughs> yeah, you, you listen to me about draft stuff and get no money. 
listen to Carrie about fantasy and you'll get some money. <laughs> Got me some money and we won, I tell you that. <laughs> so I'm thankful, uh, thankful to him for that. Uh, week two, I, I tried to get smart and instead of taking your exact lineup in fantasy, I like changed a couple guys out. <laughs> <laughs> you did right, based off of <laughs> Well, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't primary work. stat win. It didn't work out well for me. Uh, <laughs> but I tried. I, I figured I knew better. And as usual, that was wrong. I did not know better. Um, about the only thing I can do halfway decent is make some cash lineups. Tournaments, I'm, I am trash. Uh, I can't make GPP lineups to save my life. Um, but that's another good plug. Definitely check out um, the Deep Cover blog. It's deep Cover pod.blogspot. Yep. Look at that. Yep. Look at that. <laughs> um, definitely go check that out because all of Carrie's fantasy content is out there. Um, you know, you can see all of the, the tier articles back to, you know, kind of leading up to the, the fantasy draft season, just so you can kind of see kind of where you had those guys. So, you know, as these guys continue to um, rack up a bunch of points and, and lead you to wins each week, you can give credit where credit is due. You can't say, oh, no, nah, he ain't talking about these guys. Nope. The evidence is there. You can go back and look. Uh, and then, of course, you're doing the weekly uh, DraftKings lineup and doing a write-up on that, too. So uh, I'm going to be I'm gonna be smart this week. I'm not going to be stubborn. <laughs> put it out. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to throw your lineup in the GPP like I was doing last year. I did the same thing last year, too. But then I'm like, oh, let me just change one player. Let me just change this player right here. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop being, being stubborn and I'm, I'm going to just rock with it. So I encourage everybody to do that because, uh, like Chris said, if you if you like money, I don't know many people who don't, um, bet bet with Carrie. <laughs> bet with Carrie and you, you, uh, you will prosper. So uh, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap this thing up. Thanks, everybody, for, for listening. As always, um, you know, we, we, I feel like we have a really kind of loyal listening base. That, that interact with us and yeah. uh, really appreciate our perspective. And, and uh, you know, I'm always grateful for those folks because they could be doing any other thing, right? There's a whole lot of podcasts and shows out there on YouTube, uh, but that they're giving us their time uh, really means a lot to all of us. So thank you for that. So continue to check us out, like, subscribe, um, tell a friend to tell a friend and be good. Until next time, we're out. Deuce.